welcome to week, I think, eight of us not being together, but listening to the Word of God through live, Facebook Live or live streaming it. Um, I hope you're all doing well at home. Uh, we've been doing good news from the Psalms, and it's been uh, made a little adjustment from Matthew, and we've jumped into the Psalms, and man, I think it's been rich for us to be able to just read the Psalms together and hear the Word of God from the Psalms, and, and this morning, we're going to talk about one of, I think, the most famous Psalms, and one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 63. So grab your Bibles, and uh, let's read that together. The Psalm of David, when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there's no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, for I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the ocean. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a source of my death. God, we just thank you for the ability to worship you, even if we're in our own homes this morning. Uh, we can hear your word, and your word has the ability to cut through all the stuff that's in us, and to cut to the deep, to cut to our hearts. God, I pray that you would open up each of our hearts this morning. Every man, woman, and child who's hearing your word, open our hearts. Open my heart. Illuminate your word in our hearts. Help me to understand what your word says, and let it be fulfilled this morning. We trust you for what you're doing all over the world. We trust you for doing lots of gracious things. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The Psalm of David, he's in the wilderness in Judah. It's, it's probably when he's fleeing um, from his son Absalom, and we see that in 2 Samuel chapter 15. We believe that it's his time in the wilderness again when he's fleeing from his son Absalom later on because he's a king in the psalm. And he was not king yet when Saul was chasing him. And David again in his life, after having been king, and we see it in Samuel, he finds himself fleeing, being run from his throne by his own son, heartbroken. of Judah. And I love the psalm, and, and, and it's in these moments that 
I think it's great for us to take a look at a song or poetry or art, really, in this moment where he, um, he's not relying on an old psalm that was maybe written for another occasion, but in this moment, in the wilderness, David is, is writing a new song that fits the situation that he's in. It tells you something about his heart that's remarkable. And that is one of the things that we learn from the life of David um, amidst all his mistakes and amidst his difficulties um, and his greatness. Uh, it was There was something about his heart that God loved. So we see it again. David, in the wilderness. Wilderness is all around him, but wilderness isn't in his heart. He's, he's worshiping. And he's writing this incredible poem, this incredible song to the Lord. So he's king, people are seeking after his life, but he's singing in the wilderness. He's, he's crying out to the Lord. He's, he's in the midst of the desert, but he's full in his heart as he, as he yearns for God as he sings to the Lord. What an incredible example of that. I think one of the key words in this psalm is, is this idea of early, early in the morning when I seek you. It's tough. I, I mean, I, particularly now that a lot of us are working from home, it's, it's uh, the couch, the bed can be nice and soft and it's hard. It's hard to get out. And we see this, I think, quite literally in the life of David in this moment, and we also see it figuratively that, that a lot of times the wilderness um, makes the couch a little harder and not quite as soft. Difficulty, struggle, wilderness times in our lives produces a discomfort that often drives us to the place where we seek the Lord. And we see this word early, early in the morning will I seek you. We seek the Lord not just early in the morning as in the a.m., but with eagerness. And, and, it, and it projects this idea of immediacy. The wilderness produces many times in us the, the longing that we, we really should always have. This need to get up immediately and eagerly seek God. And maybe that's where some of you are right now. I know there's a lot of fear out there. I, I think in, in a lot of ways some of us are, are still in a good place and are still blessed. But there's difficulty. There's people concerned about their business. People concerned about their livelihood. People concerned about major life adjustments. Because of what's happening here. Some people may be concerned about where they're going to be next week. How they're going to pay the bills. I think in so many ways, this psalm is so relevant right now. For so many people. Because this could really be wilderness time in your life. This could really be tantamount to what David was experiencing when he was um, needing to flee into the wilderness from his home and from his friends and hide out. And so what do we learn from David here? That, that even though he's in the midst of potentially losing his kingdom, fleeing from his own son, hiding out in the wilderness, the important thing to him is, is that this has driven him to thirst and long and seek after God. And I love this because you don't even see David asking in this psalm for, hey, give me my throne back, help me win right now. And he gets to some of that at the end of the psalm when we're going to talk about it. But we see here initially in the beginning phrases 
In the first real eight verses of this psalm, we see David just talking about how much he enjoys God. in Isaiah, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name, for in perfect faithfulness you have done marvelous things, things done long ago. And even in Isaiah 25, we see this worship of God because regardless of circumstance, regardless of the wilderness, regardless of what what might have happened, God, you're faithful, and you planned this stuff a long time ago, and you are in control. This isn't a surprise for you. There's not anything that's like Really, you're, you're not saying, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is happening. You did it. You planned it. You've ordained it. You know exactly what's going on, not just around the world, but in this specific detail of my life. And so if I'm in a wilderness moment it, that's driven to me to, to discomfort, and I've risen from bed early to, to seek you and to, and to reach out to you because I'm recognizing that you're the one I need to go to, I can do that in trust. Everything's going to be okay because you're in control. We see David in the beginning verses of this psalm. And let's just take a look at them, uh, verses 1 through 8. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the Your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you when I am afflicted, as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hope. My soul will be satisfied as with fat, and with food in my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed, and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your your wings I will sing for joy. Verse 8, my soul takes you, your righteousness holds me. Look at the first thing he says in verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. Oh God, you are my God. Oh God, you are my mighty one. You are the God who is mighty to save. You are the God who is big and strong. That's really what this depicts. And there's there's a depiction here also of, of possession. God, you are my God. Christians can claim this even more so than, than we see David in this moment because of Jesus and his work on the cross and him making a way, we can declare this this possession. God, you're my God. We see here that David's not a man who's unacquainted with God. And he's just becoming acquainted in this difficult moment. Now David has a relationship with God. John Piper says it this way, that 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 he reasserts the rock under the quicksand of his emotions. I love that. He reasserts, in this declaration, he reasserts the rock under the quicksand of his emotions. How many of us need to do that in the midst of sometimes really subjective emotional difficulty? When it seems like it can't get worse, when it seems like I don't know what to do, when it seems like things are out of control, you can reassert the reality of a rock underneath the quicksand of your emotions and declare, oh God, you are my God. Become acquainted with the one. 
who's really in control, who is really the one we should be we should be thirsting for and longing for and feasting on is this psalm depicts even in good times. I think the reality is we need the wilderness. I think it's difficult and it is tragic at times to understand that God is not just
the comforts of the palace, but I, I don't thirst for, for my throne back. I don't thirst for the, the food and the comforts of the palace. I'm in the midst of the wilderness, and my thirst, God, is for you. He's eager. He doesn't wait till noon. In the midst of difficulty, he's up early. Getting after it. Seeking God. Because he knows where the source of life is. David had it all. And the thing that satisfies isn't the all that he had on this earth. The thing that satisfies David is pursuing God. God. of the morning is forgotten, the comfort of the palace is despised, and in comparison, who can satisfy me? Oh man, I just want to punch a clock in the face and say, shut up. I see where David's going with this. When we are diligent seekers of God, so much bigger than what we can in me an eagerness to seek Him more. Can we pray for that together as a church? As people that, that whatever circumstance, whatever wilderness outside of our control that we find ourselves in, that God would use it to produce in us an eagerness and an immediacy to seek after Him. Early. The next phrase just is another depiction of how David feels. really tasty. I can't help but go back to my wrestling days. I had to cut weight. And if you've ever been like a fighter or a wrestler or, or engaged in any kind of those sports where you got to make particular weight, wrestling's pretty unique because you're doing it so consistently. You're doing it multiple times, twice a week, every week for, for months in a row. And to cut significant weight and be as, as foolish and undisciplined as I was when you let me cut weight when I was forget about being hungry. You forget about uh, anything. There is nothing else on your mind. You're not concerned about entertainment. You're not concerned about food. You're not concerned about comfort. The only thing you're concerned about is getting something to eat. Your mind is consumed with it. Your body yearns for it. I don't know if you've ever felt that yearning. I know David, I would assume in the context of him running from Saul throughout his life and running from Absalom in the wilderness, that he experienced time without water. Like, we never generally experience that unless you're stupid like me and do a sport where you got to lose weight that way. But, but, but generally, people do not experience a lack of water. But there is a yearning that your body 
your body, your flesh, it, it yearns. It is powerful. You can't reason with it. You can't forget it. There's no, um, there's no overcoming it or indifference. The only thing that will satisfy it is water. You can't talk yourself out of it. I would maybe fall asleep for moments, and then I would have these crazy dreams about, you know, bathtubs full of Mountain Dew and beer jugs, but I digress. But here's David. I, I, I feel thirsty. I thirst for you. thirst, my flesh longs. And I encountered the wilderness. 
the gospel. He's in a dry and weary land where there's no water. A weary place. A weary place and a weary heart really should make the presence of God more desirable. Having God satisfies so much more than stuff. And when you have stuff, it's no comparison to God with life. Really, we need to be recognizing this psalm. We need to go to that place introspectively in our hearts this morning. Our need and our desire for God is what we get. I love this, and man, is this relevant here. Verse 2. For I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding the power and the glory because of the steadfast love and fellowship of your people. For he seriously David, unable to go to the temple and hide in the wilderness. Unable to go to the presence of the Lord. Absent, David here is absent from corporate worship as he's hiding in the wilderness. He's remembering. He's remembering the presence of God in the sanctuary. In the elements by which he would worship God. In those moments where he experienced worship of God in the sanctuary. He's remembering that and he's longing for it. And he's in the wilderness and he can't worship God in the sanctuary. And so his, his mind goes back to remember the, that time. And he misses the presence of God in that way. How relevant is that for us today? I remember those moments for us. Standing shoulder to shoulder with all of you. Hands lifted. Worshiping God. Hearing you sing the word of God to me, to God, and, and, and together as we do that, taking the Lord's table together and breaking bread and contemplating the gospel and, and Jesus' broken body and his spilled blood on our behalf together as we take the Lord's table together, as we hear the preached word together and encourage each other in fellowship. I remember and I long for the presence of God amidst God's people in the sanctuary. It's okay for us right now to long for that, to miss it. How wonderful is it going to be when we come back together and worship together? I think for so many of us, and again I'm preaching to myself, how often have we taken that for granted? Ah, I don't feel like going this week. I don't know if church is that big of a deal. I can go two weeks without the presence of God amidst his people in corporate worship. I can go three weeks. I can go a month. Maybe you haven't gone for years and you happen to be listening to this message this morning. God shows up in the midst of his people as we worship together in the sanctuary. And David here is longing for it as he's in the wilderness and misses it. And maybe some of you, it's exactly what you need. Stop making excuses. Stop taking it for granted. You're not... Well, we are now in the wilderness, but there is going to come a day when we will be able to freely worship together. And we should no longer take it for granted. It should be a priority weekly, on the Sabbath, on the Lord's Day, to be together, to worship together, to, to take the elements together in the Lord's Supper together, and to declare at least once a week how glorious our God is, how we yearn and long for Him, and how we need Him. And, and he tells us how we are to worship in this way. So often it's really not that big of a deal. 
stuff to do. And my prayer is maybe the wilderness, maybe this thing we're going through, my prayer is it's producing in us a yearning for something that maybe we didn't yearn for before in the way that we should have. Your steadfast love is better than life. The love of God is better than life. Acts 17, in him we live, we move, we have our being. Life is transient, but the love of God is better. It's better than life. I love this because David's not here in this, in this moment out in the wilderness, worshiping God and thanking God for all the stuff he has. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong in moments of prayer and in moments of worship to thank God for the stuff that he has. But that's not what David's doing here. He's not, he's not saying thank you for this and thank you for that. What he's saying is, forget all of that. God, your love is better than my whole life. I'm out here in the wilderness. My son, Absalom, is trying to kill me and take my kingdom. And I don't know what's going to happen. And it's not up to me whether or not I get to stay king or my son's going to be king and I'm going to die. That's not up to me. Here's what I know in the midst of the wilderness, in the midst of huge uncertainty where I may lose everything as people would consider that everything, your love, it's better than my whole life. God, you're all I need. Your love is what I need. I don't need that stuff. Your love is better. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die. If I have your love, it's better than life. If I'm not going to be king anymore, I don't need to be king. I don't need the power. Your love is better than life. If my, if my business that I've been building for years and years and years gets wiped out because of a virus, uh, I don't know where I'm going next. I don't know how I'm going to feed my family, but I know this. God, your love is better than life. You're who I need. You're who I get. I don't get stuff. I get you, and it's better than all that stuff. What a declaration. Love is better than life. of that, that's what he says, my lips will praise you. David, in the midst of crazy uncertainty, lifts his praise. He says, in your name, I'll lift my hands. My lips are going to praise you, and I'm going to lift my hands to you. Your love is better than life. That's where David goes in one of his worst moments. things that seem so certain 
that really at the end of the day, if you think deeply about it, you have zero control over. they enjoy fast more than we do, from time to time, I would say you probably have a cup of coffee still, it is actually the best taste in part, right, Donna? You got to eat the fast, sometimes, it's, it's where the flavor is, that's why when you get that marbled steak, and I know that Paul Daly does those are all checking the box that yes, they cost about food, but it's in the package, it's actually in the package, you get that marbled steak, and, and the fat mixed in there is where the flavor is. And he's not thinking about a steak because he's saying, your love is like that food for me. My soul is fed because of you. I bet you David wanted a steak out in the wilderness. I bet you he wanted water. <coughs> but his soul, his flesh, it yearned for God. So we see this, 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 this dichotomy here. He's, your, he's yearning for God. And then that rock. As he declares this worship and his yearning for God, that rock becomes the security that he's under his feet. And then God draws near in this psalm and in this song. And we see that now he speaks to God again. And his soul is satisfied. He is, he's, he's in a desert place and he turns to God and he says, I'm like someone who's dehydrated and thirsty. My body's yearning for you. My flesh, it longs for you. I'm in a dry and weary place. And now... God draws near to him, and he turns a corner here, and he says, and now I have you, I have the presence of God, and this is if I've eaten fat food. This is if I've eaten a great steak and feasted. My soul feels as though it's feasted, because I have the presence of God, and your love is better than life. And in his worship of God, in his singing of the song, in the midst of the wilderness, he's satisfied. I love that moment in John chapter 4 when, when the, the disciples go off and they're heading, heading into Samaria and the disciples go off to get Jesus something to eat because they're starving and they're walking. And he encounters the woman at the well, declares he's the Messiah, prophesies about her life and, and she runs off to tell everybody in the town about the man who said everything, who knew everything about her and that the Messiah was here. And the disciples return and she's running off into Samaria. And Jesus turns to them. He's like, they're like, we got some food. And he says, ah, I have food that you don't even know about. Satisfied. That's what we can do the way we talk to God. We see here David in his worship declares the satisfaction because he's feasted. My soul be satisfied with fat and rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyfulness. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will trust. 
talked about it, that he's the reason for worship, and we've talked about the idea, and it's not the first time that, that God has been depicted as, as a bird whose wings protect, and that's the kiss or the, the child hides under the shadow of its wings, and there is a, a beautiful picture of, of security and safety out there. love is better than anything in this world. Your God is your security. No matter what you're going through, you can hide under the shadow of his wings. But if you're trusting in him, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of the wilderness, in the midst of a dry and weary place where there's no water, you're hiding under the shadow of the almighty God's wings and you can sing for joy. this picture in verse 8. My soul clings to you and your right hand upholds me. Is this not the life of faith? My soul is glued to you. Who can separate us from the love of God? In Romans 8, height, depth, famine, nothing can separate us from the love of God. My soul, it clings to you. So there's this idea in the life of faith where I'm pursuing you, I'm thirsting after you, I'm clinging to you, I'm, I'm hiding under the shadow of your wings, and I'm recognizing that I have you, and it's producing a wellspring of diligence to pursue you and go after you because you're my greatest treasure and you're my greatest joy. And as I pursue diligently, at the same time I recognize that my ability to do that is because you're really the one who's holding me up with your right hand. What a beautiful picture. We pursue, but in our pursuit of Him, we recognize He's holding us. He's giving us the ability. We're held up by His right hand, and nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can take us from His hand. Why? Because the reality at the end of the day is He's really the one holding us. And no one can can affect His hold. Recognize at the end of the day, nothing can take you away from him. Nothing can take you out from underneath that wing. Why? Because his right hand upholds you. He's really the one holding out on you. In the midst of your pursuit, holding you up. Verses 9 through 11, we see David now turn to the reality of his situation and his enemies. be given over to the power of your sword. They shall be a force to be jacked up. No matter what this king is, you, you shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult. The mouths of lions will be stopped. So David sought God.
While men are trying and seeking to kill David, David sees a God. Trusting in God. They're seeking to kill him. He's not pursuing them. He's seeking God. Those who hunt and have plans for how they're going to deal with David, David declares that's really how they're going to be dealt with. They're going to receive the portion that they're trying to perpetrate on me. Here's this man who slew God and now God slew the one who slew him. And I love the end of it because the reality is this. The words of a worshiper of God, like David is in Psalm 63, he'll worship forever. But the mouths of liars are going to be shut up. They're going to be shut up. But the worshiper will worship forever. When we pursue God, God is here with the mouths of those who pursue us. What a psalm. What an incredible work of the word of God as David wrote this. And understanding the context of the situation, man, is it relevant for us today. Listen, church. Recognize that the hunt is on. Seek after me. Search for me. Long for me. And as we draw near to you, you will be the one to satisfy that thirst. Here this morning, we can still just hide under the shelter of his wings. And you can know that no matter what's going on in your life, he can still find you. And at the end of the day, no matter what we do in this life, ultimately, his love never disappoints. So let's rest in him that he slew the one whose love and presence better than anything we can bring or need in this life. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Church, amen. Let me pray for you. God, we just thank you again for your word. Gives us a sense of detail. Reminds us to worship with you in your presence. Sunday, I can't wait to see you guys again.